0: missions numbers, overwhelmed at your missions giving, uh, I promised you, I said, if you'll give, we'll take them on. Did I not say that? And we're taking them on as fast as we can find them. And uh, I want you to be praying with me now. It's already September. Missions conference will be here in March. It's our biggest event of the year. It's the most uh, promoted, most expensive, most Anticipated thing on our calendar for me anyway as our missions conference. I just absolutely love it. And uh, be much in prayer. We've got from now till March to be praying. I'd like to see another large increase in, in faith promise giving. Um, I'd like to be able to tackle that every state project right alongside of the Every Nation project and see if we can't help some of these church planners um, in the United States go into cities and states where they're desperately need Uh, churches. Uh, We already support several, and um, I'm grateful for that, but there's a lot of work to be done, and so um, just be thinking about that, praying about it, and if everybody could increase a good increase, we could do that, and so just make that a matter of prayer, but uh, it's hard to believe we were in 45, I think, 43 or 45 countries um, March of last year. Huh? March of 21, that's last year. Don't do that to me, I'm already confused. And now we're in 140. That's unbelievable what God's done in the last year and a half. Let us pick up that many more missionaries. And not just missionaries, but good missionaries. I mean, missionaries that when you get their prayer letter, you go, man, I'm so glad that we're able to get in on that right there. And um, I'm just thrilled to what what God is doing. And so um, I leaned over to Brother Leader a moment ago. I said, I've got absolutely way too much material for tonight. And this may end up being a part two later. Part, uh, I'm just going to preach a little while and see what happens. Um, Yeah, but I don't know if you can handle it. It's a lot. Matthew 18. Let's go there and start. Matthew 18 my heart my heart and my mind's been kind of in this gear for a little while getting ready for school Matthew 18 verse number three no let's go to verse one at the same time came the disciples unto Jesus, saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Jesus called a little child unto him and set him in the midst of them and said, Verily I say unto you, except you be converted and become as little children, you shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same as greatest in the kingdom of heaven, whosoever shall receive such uh, one such little child in my name, Receiveth me. Whoso shall offend one of these little ones which believe in me, it were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck, that he were dr- drowned in the depth of the sea. Woe unto the world because of offenses, for it must needs be that offenses come, but woe to that man by whom the offenses cometh. Therefore, if thy hand or thy foot offend thee, cut them off and cast them from thee, for it is better for thee to enter into life, halt or maimed, rather than having two hands or two feet, to be cast into everlasting fire. If thine eye offend thee, pluck it out and cast it from thee, for it is better for thee to enter into life with one eye, rather than having two eyes, to be cast into hell fire. Take heed that ye despise not one of these little ones. For I say unto you that in heaven their angels do always behold the face of Of my father which is in heaven. For the Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. How think ye if a man have an hundred sheep, and one of them be gone astray, doth he not leave the ninety and nine, and goeth into the mountains, and seeketh that which is gone astray, and if it be so be that he find it, verily I say unto you, he rejoiceth more of that sheep than of the ninety and nine which were not astray. Even so it is not the will of your father which is in heaven, that one of these little ones should perish. Several times in this passage, first 14 verses, we find the Bible talks about a child. We see the word child used several times. Children, little children in verse 3. We see little child in verse 4, little child in verse 5, and verse 6, verse 10, and verse 14 talks about the little ones. I want to preach for a little bit tonight. We'll see how far we go with this thought, the battle for our little ones the battle for our little ones. Lord, I pray that you would help us tonight to be able to convey to your people the thought, the burden on my heart. And really it is more of a burden than anything. I pray that you'd help me to be able to communicate it to your people in Jesus' name, amen. With school starting next week and um, getting ready for the kids to come in and um, seeing the hallways and the classrooms Filled with children each and every day. Uh, had my heart, had my, my mind has been in this gear about our young people. And I want to say this. I say it often. I want to say it again tonight. I love our young people at Calvary Baptist Church. I love our children. I'm thankful for them. I'm thankful for the, the, young, the number of kids that we have in this church. Um, you wouldn't believe how many, how many uh, phone calls I get from people uh, looking for a church or looking for a, a pastor, without a pastor. And they'll say, nobody wants to come to our church. We don't have any children. We don't have any young people. Uh, I, I, I hear missionaries come through here all the time, Brother Sasser, and they say, we go to churches and it's just mostly older people. And there's no young people, no families. And I'm grateful, so grateful for the children and the young people that God has put in this church. I was sitting there while the youth, the kids were over here singing, thinking what a tremendous job, Brother Caleb and Sister Hannah do with our young people. A fantastic job with our children and the amount of time and effort and preparation that he spends working with our children and and uh, we were talking about how that uh, they move out of that choir into this choir. And when the big ones leave that choir and go to this one, the little ones have to step up and sing out to make up for the loss and how good it is for them to, to be able to step up. And we were just talking today about our children, about our young people. And, and uh, I, I guess, I don't know, I'm just maybe emotional, the uh, older I get, I know I am more emotional about young people. I'm a lot more patient with them than I used to be. I ain't saying much, but I, I'll take what I can get, hey, amen. I'm a little bit more patient with them than I used to be, but Satan has pulled out all the stops. He's going after our young people. And I look, at, I look at our country. I drive through the streets of our city, and I think to myself how sad it is that our little kids will never know what it was like to grow up in the country we grew up in. They'll never know. They'll never know what it was like to grow up in a country where you were free. There, uh, I'm saying that because you, I, I can say it. What, what, what we're living in tonight is not America. It is. It is a. It is a. A skeleton of what America used to be, as a result of turning our back on God. Is what it boils down to. We are. We are living. We are living in a famine desert wasteland of America. And our children will never know what it's like to grow up in America. I didn't even, some of y'all don't know this, but it's against the law in Maryland for a kid to shoot a BB gun out in the yard. It's against the law. A BB gun. You got to go to a firing range. Now, that ain't, that ain't America that I grew up in. I'm sorry. We, I mean, that's just unbelievable. It's it's it really is. It's unbelievable that 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 we're living in a, in a in a in a place where you can shoot drugs, you can you shoot each other. Just don't shoot a BB gun. Don't get me started. But the devil's after our kids. He's after our young people. And and um, you know I've got kids growing up and getting married and kids moving halfway around the world here in a few weeks and grand youngins starting to talk and life's, life's coming at me fast right now. And uh, I'm the kind of person that when I, feel, when I feel like our country's under attack, our young people's under attack, there's no part of me wants to sit down I want to just double double down, and the kids in this room tonight is worth fighting for. Right. Yep. They're worth fighting for. Amen. If we don't fight for them, who will? So I, I got I've got so much. I'm not even going to try to get through it all tonight. I'll go. I'll see where I can unhook, and I'll come back later. I guess, but. There's several things that we're going to have to fight against. And when it comes to our kids, our little ones, in Exodus chapter number 10, you don't have to turn over there, but in Exodus chapter number 10 is a story of Moses wanting to take the people out to the wilderness to go and worship. And, and, and Pharaoh said, leave your little ones. We're going to have to fight against those that want to keep our kids in Egypt. And they want to keep our kids in Egypt. Basically, if I turn over there, I'll get bogged down. But in Exodus chapter 10, in verses seven down through verse number 11, we'll just turn over there. Good night. Just turn over there. And in, in Exodus chapter 10, in verse number eight, Moses and Aaron were brought again unto Pharaoh. And he said unto them, go serve the Lord your God. But who are they that shall Go. Moses said, We will go with our young and with our old, with our sons and with our daughters, with our flocks, and with our herds will we go, for we must hold a feast unto the Lord. And Pharaoh said, verse number 10, Let the Lord be so with you, as, as I will let you go and your little ones. Look to it for evils before you. Not so. Go now, ye that are men, and serve the Lord. And they were driven out from his presence. He got sarcastic, didn't he? Go ahead. Take all your kids. Take your little ones with you. Not, I'm not letting you do that. You got something up your sleeve. Moses said, we're not going without our little ones. We're not going without them. We're not going to leave. We're not going to leave our kids for Egypt to babysit. We're not leaving our children for Egypt to raise We're not going to pursue a relationship with God and leave our children behind. We're not doing it. We're going to have to fight against those that want to keep your kids in Egypt. You see, in our text tonight, he started out in the beginning of chapter 18 of Matthew, except you be converted and become as little children, you shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child. The same is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoso shall receive one such as little child in my name receiveth me. Verse 14. So, Even so it is not the will of your father which is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. Jesus died for the children. He came for the children. Maybe... A lot of people, one of their biggest mistakes is to think that children can't get saved. I'd like to have a dollar for every time somebody has walked up to me and had the audacity to look me in my face and say, I don't believe you got saved when you was four. Because that's my testimony. I got saved when I was four. Because I don't think I don't believe you got saved when you was four. And I said, Well, I don't care what you think. Quite frankly. I'm not even polite at that point. You're just rude. And you're stupid. Ain't your biblical to think that little children can't get saved? Then get on your iPhone and buy stuff from Amazon when you ain't looking, but they can't understand that they're lost and going to hell, need to be saved. The so song we started the service out was, was look and live. Jesus made it simple on purpose so that everybody could get saved. I'm not saying all four-year-olds could get saved, But I believe children can get saved. We're going to have to deal with that crowd that wants to keep them in Egypt. And there's going to be that crowd. They don't care if you want to serve God, just don't take your children. We're going to have to fight against those that want to keep them from going into Canaan, Numbers chapter 16. In Numbers chapter 16, there was a couple of tribes Told Moses, they said, if it's okay with you, we're just going to stay over here in the wilderness. I was reading those verses again this afternoon. Like I said, every one of these passages is a whole message in and of itself. But in Numbers chapter 32, uh, Numbers chapter 32, is what I meant to say. We see a group of people that didn't want to go across Jordan River. They didn't want to go into the promised land. Here's what they said. Here's what they said in verse number 16. We will build sheepfolds here for our cattle and cities for our little ones. What about that? We ourselves will go ready armed before the children of Israel till we have brought them unto their place and our little ones shall dwell in the fence cities because of the inhabitants of the land. We're gonna keep our kids in the wilderness. We're not gonna take our kids into Canaan. Our little ones. They was willing to fight for everybody else's little ones but not theirs. That don't make any sense to me. And they literally said, we will go and fight for your children to go into Canaan but we're going to leave our children over here in our comfort zone. I'm talking not about the battle for our little ones. They were afraid of the inhabitants of the land. They were afraid of the uncertainties. Can I say it? They were afraid of the uncertainties of the perfect will of God for their family. So they chose the certainties of what was not God's will for their family. Who does that sound like? Sounds like a lot of parents I know. I know this ain't what God wanted, but this is what I'm comfortable with. We gotta fight for our children to make sure that they are able to go over into Canaan and experience God's perfect, perfect will for their life. We've got to keep our children. We've got to fight for our children and we've got to protect them against those that want to keep them from serving God. There's a group of people that do not want your children serving the Lord. And it's not just Pharaoh. We saw that just a minute ago in Exodus. But when you get over to Matthew chapter 21, verse number 15, chief priests and scribes saw the wonderful things that he did and the children crying in the temple saying, Hosanna. To the son of David, the Bible says, they were sore displeased. Chief priests and scribes were sore displeased with children crying in the temple. It's not just the pharaohs. Of the, of the, it's not just the Egyptians. <coughs> Excuse me. There's a whole lot of people, that religious crowd is gonna have a problem when you try to raise your children for God. They're gonna have a problem with it. It's gonna bother them going to bother them when they see how happy your children are serving God. It's going to bother them. There's some sick people in this world. They get upset when somebody else gets happy. In the same verse, you've got children crying and rejoicing, praising God. And in the very same verse, you've got the religious crowd were displeased. Very telling. It's very telling what gets on people's nerves. People worshiping God, bothering people, is a sign something's bad, wrong. And they didn't want those children crying in the temple. They didn't want them being a part of the service. If you'll notice here at Calvary Baptist Church, we have we've we've trimmed back trimmed back a little bit of the children's ministries that were taking the kids out of the services. Because I like having them in here. I believe you can do both. I don't believe you have to take, go all one direction or the other. I just like a good mixture. I like the kids in the service. You're looking at a person that never went one single time to junior church. Never, no church I was ever in had junior church. We didn't have junior church. I'm not saying I got a problem with it. Obviously I don't. We have junior church. But I didn't ever go to junior church. Did you? We didn't have junior church. Those little country churches I grew up in. All the kids just sat in church with their mamas and daddies. And we, I got saved when I was four sitting in the big church listening to the big preacher. And I like having children's ministries. And I like having things for our children. But I like our kids being in here. I ain't heard of one of them misbehave. If you look at them, look at all these kids sitting here just as still and just as quiet. They know how to act in church. You won't know why? Because they get to go to church. Amen. And mamas and daddies bring them to church and teach them how to sit still in church and listen. Amen. Sometimes people call and say, what have you got? What kind of ministers have you got for your children? That gets under my skin just a little bit. I think, well, we got church. No, I mean, besides that, no, we got church. If you got a problem with church, you probably don't want to bring them here anyway. And I don't even tell them about the 15 or 20 things we do with kids because church is the main thing to me. It's the main thing. We had the, we had the whole bus ministry in here last Sunday. Brother Caleb, i told Brother Caleb, any time... Any Sunday morning, you want to bring junior church and bus kids over here to go to church with us, you don't have to ask. You can make that call. He said, we was a little bit short on some, on some volunteers. And I thought, we'll just bring them on in. And they brought them right on in. Didn't bother me a bit. I got a problem. with People's got a problem with kids doing stuff in church. Amen. I know this isn't deep. It's what God gave me to fight against those that want to keep them from serving God. I believe kids can serve God. I'm getting ahead of myself. Number one, point number one, that was introduction. The battle for our little ones involves the battle to protect them. To protect them. Children, the little ones in our church need protecting. In our text, in Matthew chapter number 18, he talks about those that would offend them. And Verse number six, but whoso shall offend one of these little ones which believe in me. It were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and that he were drowned in the depths of the sea. Several years ago, God allowed me to write that book, The Wolves Among Lambs, and it has opened up a whole world of influence. There's hardly a week goes by that I don't get a, a message, an email, or a phone call Somebody got help from that book. Somebody's life was changed from that book. My family and I, we flew down to Georgia several weeks ago, and I preached down there for my brother-in-law on that Sunday, Monday and Tuesday night. We landed, we landed in Greenville and rented a vehicle. And somebody had been trying to get in touch with me for about three or four days. Preacher, I really need to talk to you about this book. And I said, I'll call you just as soon as I can. And I didn't have a chance. And I landed. We got in that rental car. We started out of Greenville. And I called them. I said, All right, I got about three hour trip in front of me, two and a half hour trip in front of me. I got time. But my family's sitting here. I was on the phone the whole way down there. I mean, I was on the phone, had my earbuds in. They couldn't hear the conversation of a girl, teenage girl that was groomed in her church by her youth pastor. Now get this, girl was homeschooling, she's 15, 16 years old, homeschooling, her mom and daddy was too sorry to help her with her schoolwork, so they let her go over to her youth pastor's house and he tutored her on up till midnight nearly every night of the week while his wife went to bed. Is that not the stupidest thing you've ever heard in your life? The stuff that people call and tell me blows my mind. And this went on for months and months, this teenage girl sitting at the dining room table with her youth pastor and all the junk she had to deal with. Just all the, the whole story. And I'm on the phone and she's telling me this story. Her husband's on the phone with her. The three of us are on the phone. And she's telling me this stuff and he's on the phone. He's listening and he's he's making comments and I'm making comments and she did 98% of the talking. And when it all came out, what he was doing to her, they made her stand up in front of the church and apologize to the church. And the stuff she told me, It was wrong on so many levels. There were so many breakdowns that allowed this to happen. I'm talking about protecting our children. I am amazed at how oblivious parents are to the devil trying to get their kids. She's ended this long story, long story. And I know the girl, that was the crazy thing. I know her, her family, I know her grandparents. I know this girl. We used to play together. She ends the story telling me she went and confronted these people and confronted this man with her husband and he admitted it and went to the church he was a member of where he was teaching Sunday school and they made him step down and all this kind of stuff. And she, clo- she closes out the conversation. I said, I'm getting close to my destination. She says, well, before I get off, I got to tell you this. That book you, that book you wrote, when I read it, it gave me the courage to stand up and confront this. I have been living in guilt all these years over something that I didn't even do. I felt like it was all my fault. I felt like it was my fault. And she goes in the story and she tells me the story and she says, I just want not let you know And I read that book and it it just broke the chains. It broke the bondage. My husband and I have been able to get this all wrapped up together in our hearts and our minds and I'm free and I'm free. And she said, the best part is I got saved. Yeah. And I'm like, you saved that for the end. I was, yeah. You could have started out with that. And that's just one, that's just one story of the hours that I spend on the phone with people who, who were not protected Their parents didn't fight for them. Their their parents were negligent in putting up a hedge and a wall around about them. I was reading the story this afternoon in Esther chapter number eight. You remember that story where Haman hated Mordecai so bad that he went before the king and he got a law passed that they could fight against anybody that was a Jew. Remember that story? and and, and it wasn't just the men that were being threatened. It weren't just the leaders of the Jewish people that were being threatened. They were all being threatened. And here's what the Bible says in Esther chapter number 8 and verse number 11. Wherein the king granted the Jews which were in every city to gather themselves together and to stand for their life to destroy and to slay and to cause to perish all the power of the people and province that would assault them, both their little ones and women, and take the spoil of them for a prey. King said, I tell you what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna give you the green light to fight for your little ones and to fight for your wives. And anybody that tries to come against you and destroy you, I'm giving you the green light. Is everybody getting this tonight? I'm so tired of seeing people play that victim card. They don't fight. They don't protect their children. I've got two subpoints here. We must protect them from the access to secularism. We have to protect our children from access to secularism. Now, if you don't know what that word means, I'll give you the definition. Secularism is a secular spirit or tendency, especially a system of political or social philosophy that rejects all forms of religious faith and worship. Now this is out of a secular dictionary. The view that public education and other matters of civil policy should be conducted without the introduction of a religious element. That's secularism. They basically wanna take God out of everything. And we'll give you a prime example of something that we experienced in this church in 2020. And that was when the governor's office called me and asked me if I'd be a part of that committee of religious leaders to help introduce reopening policies and safe policies for churches and mosques and and, and synagogues and whatnot to, to reopen. Would you be a part of this? We would like your input. I said, well, since I've already got a list, I've already compiled a list. Yes. And about three days into that thing, here was the recommendation that I got across my email. Are you ready? I'm just about to see if I can't quote it verbatim. Churches cannot reopen children's ministries without further guidance from the Department of Education. That's what they said. And when I read that, I thought it was a misprint. There's something inside of me started boiling and it's boiling right now just thinking about it. How arrogant, how arrogant do you have to be to tell a church they can't have children's ministries without guidance from the Department of Education. And I had to wonder, is there any single person in the ministry, any clergy of any description that would be okay with this? And much to my surprise, I was the only one that said anything about it. That's secularism. And the world wants our children. Excuse me. I believe the single greatest threat to our children today is social media and the internet. Social media and the internet. If your child has access to the internet, unfettered access to the internet without filters or anything, I don't know how to say this, but you're dumb with a box of rocks as a parent. If your child can get on the internet, if they can surf the internet, my grown boys are over here, Holiday Man. If your children can get on the Internet, if they can get on your phone or your iPad or they can get on the family's computer and they can get on YouTube or they can go on social media when they're home by themselves and there's no filters or there's no protocols, there's no parental guides, there's something desperately wrong. We're talking about protecting your children. You'd be better off to put a bag of rattlesnakes in the bed with them. It's unbelievable at the amount of young people on the internet. It's unbelievable. I believe the single greatest threat to our children today is social media. And there's a bunch of different social media platforms. There's platforms out there I don't even know about. But there's not a single one of them that don't have demonic and satanic influences attached. None of them. The second... Greatest threat, and this is my list. You can put your own list together next time you preach. The second le- greatest threat to our children today is Hollywood and television programming, including cartoons, the modern-day cartoons. There's no way in the world, there's no way in the world, you could put a gun to my head and then I'll tell you to pull the trigger before I park Zane, who's 10 years old, in front of the, the Cartoon Network today or Nickelodeon, or any of those other channels. I'm not talking about Tom and Jerry. I'm not talking about the Flintstones. I'm not talking about, no, no, no. I'm not talking about Looney Tunes. They ain't showing that. The stuff they're showing today is pure filth. It's absolute filth. They've got cartoons that are rated mature. Grown people sitting around watching cartoons. I'm sorry. It's unbelievable. It is unbelievable. And it's called programming for a reason. It's called programming. The language, the innuendos, the vulgarity, the subliminal messaging that is directed to children is straight out of the pits of hell. Hell. And then I believe the third greatest threat to our children today is the public school system. I, 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 cannot, I cannot begin to tell you how frustrated I am when parents complain about stuff in the public school then I'm thinking to myself, they've been doing that for years. Years. And you won't believe whenever time I say something about public school on social media or I preach against it, there are people that defend it. Please don't come to me after the service and defend public school. Government school, please don't come to me because I'm going to hurt your feelings. OK? I ain't got time for it. I wouldn't put my dog in a public school. And I really ain't even all like crazy about my dog. But I wouldn't do that to Charlie. We must protect our children from access to secularism. Number two, we must protect them from the approvals of society. Just because our society has deemed something okay doesn't mean that it is okay. Just because society puts a check mark on it don't mean it's okay. Our government is hell-bent on destroying our families and our little ones from the top, from the White House all the way down to the State House. The government, I believe this with all of my heart, they sit in closed door meetings and they figure out ways to shred the family, the nuclear family. Every decision they make is so diabolical, unbiblical, ungodly. It's unreal. The state, the Congress, and the Supreme Court is not the final authority. God's word is the final authority. And you have, I have got to teach our children, protect our children from what society says is normal, what society says is okay. If I preach any harder, I'm gonna have a coffin fit. I'm having to just ride the brakes up here but I'm so passionate about this right here. Promiscuity, listen to me, promiscuity, sexual promiscuity. 67% of adults polled support giving contraceptives to students in the public school. 67% according to the Associated Press. 62% polled said they believe providing birth control reduced the number of teenage pregnancies. Still nearly half of teenagers age 15 to 19 report that they've lost their virginity. Nearly half of teenagers between the age of 15 and 19. God help us. And almost 750,000 of them a year become pregnant out of wedlock. Society thinks it's okay. Society thinks it's great. A 15 year old girl can post on her social media that she's pregnant and people clap. People like, people like, like and thumbs up her post. You're not right with God if you do that. I said, You're not right with God if you do that. It is a shame. There's no shame in it anymore, though. There used to to be shame. There used to be shame in getting pregnant out of wedlock. Not anymore. You say, well, that's my grand youngin' you're talking about. Just don't start with me. I don't care if it's your child, your grand youngin', or your great 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 grand youngin' or your great-great-grandma. It don't make no difference to me. It's sin. And we've got to protect our children. From what society says is okay when God says it's not okay. Bible says it's good for a man not to touch a woman but to flee fornication. Any man that commits fornication sins against his own body. Homosexuality. Same sex marriage is legal in this state. Don't make it right. They don't make it right. We must protect our little ones from this abomination. They're brainwashing our children. I read the other day where a second grade class, every kid in there, every kid in there, was the opposite, they identified as the opposite gender of what they were. Second grade. There's something bad wrong. And you can blame that on the school if you want to, but something's bad wrong at the house. They can't reproduce, they just recruit. Crossdressers and drag queens reading to our children, reading to kids in the libraries and putting on all these television shows. And they're banning words like grooming on Twitter. They're groomers. They're pedophiles. They ought to all go to jail, every one of them. It's ungodly. Our society thinks it's cute. Society thinks it's great. It's not great. It's not cute. It's wicked. It's an abomination. We've got to protect our children from this mess. The public libraries are a snare and a trap. You can't even go into public libraries anymore but they don't have entire kiosks. Rainbow crowd. Rainbow LGBT Pride Month. They got all the little books there explaining the little five or six or seven year olds. It's okay to have two mamas and two daddies and, and this and that. I'm telling you right now, it's a sick, sick, sick society we live in. And we're gonna to have to put our armor on and we're gonna to have to go to battle and we're gonna have to fight for our little ones or we're gonna lose them. We're gonna lose them if we don't. Alcohol. Alcohol, 2019, most updated stats I could find. I looked at several websites. 4.2 million young people reported binge drinking at least once a month. In 2019, 825,000 young people reported binge drinking on five or more days in a month. Kids, binge drinking. The sad fact is a lot of them got it out of their mom and daddy's refrigerator. Drugs are legal. Drugs are now legal. Did you know in Oregon that that heroin, cocaine, and meth is legal? Small doses. You can carry it around in your pocket. Heroin. Meth. Hard drugs. What did we expect when they legalized marijuana? It's a gateway drug. I don't care what nobody says. Actually, cigarettes is a gateway drug. It's unbelievable. Unbelievable. And kids growing up in an environment where it's okay, it's okay. They've been desensitized. Nothing's wrong anymore except Baptist preachers with a little bit of grit. That's the only thing that's wrong. Anything else is, is fine. I don't have time to get in the rest of this message. I'll preach the rest of it later if y'all are okay with that. But did you know right now in Maryland, this just came out this week? Are you ready? I'm gonna read this to you. I'm gonna read this straight off of the Maryland Education School website. The administration of medical cannabis is to qualifying students during school hours at school-sponsored activities and only school bus is now authorized by state law in an effort to facilitate students' continuity of medical care and access to education. This law ensures that students who are being treated with medical cannabis will be able to attend school and participate in school activities while continuing their treatment, which cannot reasonably be accomplished outside of school hours. So now we've got kids that can do marijuana on the bus, in the classroom, at the game, in the gymnasium, wherever they happen to be. And people are OK with that. If you think that's OK, you're a cripple too high for crutches. Your elevator don't go all the way to the top floor you got bats in your belfry, and you're a couple of tacos short of a combination platter, if you're okay with giving school kids marijuana at school. And it's legal in Maryland right now. And why do you think it got all over me and got under my skin and made me wanna go up one side and down the other when the health department wants to call us and see if everybody's wearing masks? you're out of your ever-loving mind. If you think I'm gonna let the same crowd that lets, gives kids drugs on the bus, tell me what to do. in this school right here, you're out of your mind. <laughs> Health department, my hind leg, they're full of the devil, all of them, the whole crowd and they're against God, and they're against the church, and they're against the family, and they're against our little ones, and we gotta fight. I say we gotta fight for our little ones. And you're looking at a man that's, I'm, I'm, hey, I'm gonna fight till I drop dead. I'm gonna fight for our kids. We may not ever have a big church, we may not have a big school, but I can guarantee you one thing, what we have is gonna be as right as it can be. If I've got anything to say about it. That our kids are worth fighting for, Brother Bittner. Too bad that crowd don't go down to the rescue mission and see what happens. You tell, me, you tell me where those kids are going to be five years from now, ten years from now, when they've got school teachers giving them pot at school. What's going to happen to them? How many kids do you know need medical marijuana anyway? It's absolutely unbelievable and but you've got people right now that are getting they get worked up, oh preacher, preacher there's, there's situations, there's, there's cases there's cases where kids just do better if they're stoned well that didn't go the way I planned for it to go i tell you what we live in a wicked world we need, to raise, we need to raise up the walls, put up the hedges and the walls. We gotta fight and protect our children. We might add three or four more points to that point before we move past that point right there. Lord, we love you tonight. We thank you for your Bible and for your word. We thank you, Lord, for the scripture that gives us boldness and courage to stand for right. I pray, Lord, tonight as the musicians are playing, there may be some moms and dads that, Maybe they've just gotten a little bit complacent. Maybe they've gotten distracted. Maybe tonight's message might just maybe bring them back around in line a little bit and remind them of the amazing, amazing heritage that you've blessed us with, with these little ones. And to make sure that we protect them. Make sure we put up the walls. Make sure we put up hedges. Make sure we don't make any excuses for sin, minimize sin. We don't give the devil any inroads and footholds in our families and in our homes. Lord, the closer we get to the rapture, the more bloody this battle is going to get. There's going to be days when they try to put people like me in jail and take my kids and put them in foster care, put them in some kind of a state run institution to protect them from people like me, people like our church members. God help us when that day comes. I think about Daniel. I think about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego taken to a foreign land away from their parents, but they'd been taught, they'd been trained, they was able to take a stand even without their pastor there, their church there, without their family there, they were able to stand because they had been taught, they'd been trained what what the Word of God said. God help us do that to our kids. I pray, dear Lord, that you'd give us boldness, give us a backbone big as a saw log. And Father, I pray that you'd put up a hedge of protection around about our church, around about our school, around about our ministry. Lord, as we do our best to bow our knee to you and yield to you and to your word and to your will, as we do our best, Father, to raise up a generation of young people that's sheltered and protected from the filth and the ungodliness in our society. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to do it not in the arm of flesh, but with your help, with your spirit. I pray, dear Lord, that you'd give us boldness and courage and strength and grace. I pray for our children, Lord, that you would protect them. May they grow up sheltered and protected. May they not even know what those things are. I pray that you keep their minds and their hearts clean and pure.